Good evening, everyone. Please have a seat for a moment. You're all very welcome back to church again, back to face-to-face meeting each other. I don't have to stand here and look at a camera every uh, week now to record service. And unfortunately, you're going to have to endure me for the whole whatever length of time. Now, you could always switch me off at home, couldn't you? But now you can't do that. Uh, no, you're all very welcome back, seriously. It's good to be able to come back to join together in God's house. And particularly, how significant we should reopen church again on uh, Good Friday. One of the most momentous, most important days in the Christian life, faith, and the life of the church, Good Friday. And we come together to this evening to reflect for a brief time on what our Lord did for us once for all on the cross. But just a couple of announcements to remind you about a couple of things, please. Uh, first of all, Easter Sunday, we'll have our service of us- as usual at a half past 11. Now we'll be endeavouring to uh, try and have Holy Communion. It'll be slightly different from the way we used to do it. I'm not going to give you instructions about it now. We'll wait until Easter Sunday morning to give you instructions. Say we won't be using a common cup, but we'll be using little individual gla- uh, 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 container glasses for the wine. But I'll give you instructions about it on Sunday. Uh, as you're aware, at the back of the church, you've got your what you, should have been the Lent boxes, but they are not the Lent boxes now. But we're going to give them out to you, and we ask you to keep them now until October time. That'll give you an opportunity to gather some money together, and perhaps a little extra to support our church missions. If you, Jim would appreciate it if you, during October time, if you could return those boxes again, please, to support the work the church missions that we allocate towards at the end of the year. Also, your church envelopes are at the back of the church as well, and the Dawson magazines. At last, we're able to print them now, so your April edition is there. So, if you haven't taken your Lent boxes, uh, or feeble envelopes, or the magazines please take it as you leave church and also would appreciate please if you could take maybe a neighbours with you as well and drop it through their letterbox uh, and we can get them moved as quickly as possible please would appreciate that very much indeed our collection as always has been our, our custom at Lent and Holy Week services goes towards the work of church missions so your loose collection night on an Easter Sunday will be given towards the work of church missions as per usual. Uh, could I also say a word of thanks to those who came along uh, prior to our service and did a work of tidying up and preparing the church. It's been closed now since December time, uh, practically. And so thank you to the team who came along and did all the cleaning and sprucing of the church for our service uh, today. Then just to remind you, uh, after Easter, we have the custom always to have our annual general Easter vestry meeting will be held on Wednesday the 14th of April at half past seven here in the church. Now there have been a number of options given because of COVID rules and regulations about how we can do the Easter Vestry meeting. It will be a brief meeting but uh, if we can't facilitate uh, online or Zoom, some of you may be very familiar with it, others maybe not very well, uh, don't worry. We are allowed to have a social distance short Easter Vestry meeting and we have to have a short act of worship beforehand. That's uh, one of the options permissible to us by the church authorities. So half past seven, Wednesday the 14th of April here in the church. I think that's all the announcements now. Um, 
we turn and reflect upon some words of scripture as we come to our service this evening. Jesus said, when I am lifted up on the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if this cup may not pass from me, but I will drink it, your will be done. Philippians reminds us, Christ Jesus, being found in human form, humbled himself, became him beaten to death, even death on a cross. Christ Jesus himself, Peter says, bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Let us pray. Jesus, Son of God, we come to you in worship and thanksgiving, suffering servant, pioneer of our salvation, sacrifice for our sins, perfect example of perfect forgiveness. God sharing our humanity, obedient even to death of the cross, made to be a curse for us to take away our curse, victor over the powers of darkness, achieving our peace, reconciling us to the Father, bread of our life, blood of our deliverance, Lamb of God, Redeemer, by your death, shielding God's new covenant of love, by which the sins of many are forgiven, drawing all people to yourself by the glory of your cross, raised high for the healing of the nations, so that all who see you might believe and be saved. Glory be to you, Jesus, Son of God. Amen. And we turn now and we sing our first hymn, hymn number 247. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died,
us pray. As we come into God's presence this evening, we're mindful that we have all sinned, we've all short for the glory of God. That Christ has died for our sins. He demonstrated that love by dying on the cross. But he asks us to repent of our sins, to turn to him in a faith in him, to confess our sins of thought, word and deed. The great King David did this as he had sinned greatly against God. As he said in Psalm 51, we read these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me, against you, and you only have I sinned, and done that which is evil in your sight. A sacrifice of God, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart of God, you will not despise. O Lord, we have let you down. Darkness overtakes us. Our spirits fail. Our hearts are dismayed. Your face is hidden from us as it was from the Father on the cross. We wait your word of love. Hear our prayer. Listen to our cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to our relief. Do not bring us to judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. Show us the way we should go. Teach us to do your will and let your spirit lead us. On this Good Friday, Lord Jesus, we feel the burden of this day. We know that on this day you suffered, bled and died for us. We are totally unable to merit or earn your forgiveness and your renewing love. We can only recall with wonder your sacrifice and seek you with penitence and faith. We so often fail you and betray you by our silence, by our neglect and our fear of being hurt. We confess our disobedience and our spirit of neglect. Help us not to shirk our duty to bear your cross, deny ourselves and follow you daily. Or seek to avoid responsibilities as those who claim to follow you, the redeemed of Christ in this world. Lord, forgive us. In our weakness, Lord, strengthen us. Cleanse us by our, from your, our sins by your precious blood. We're gracious resource to your service for the glory of your praise. Amen. Through the cross of Christ, God of mercy us and pardon us and set us free. Know that we are forgiven and can be at peace. God strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen and the collect for Good Friday. Almighty Father, look with mercy on this your family, for which our Lord Jesus Christ was content to be betrayed and given up into the hands of the wicked, and to suffer death upon the cross, who is alive and glorified with you at the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
We turn now for two readings uh, from God's Word. We turn, first of all, to Psalm 22. This is a traditional psalm often used on Good Friday. It's a psalm which is very much centred around the cross. Words, many of them, were fulfilled on the cross by Christ as he died there. Many of the words were spoken by Christ on the cross. And many of the words were the actions carried out by the people who put Jesus Christ to death on the cross. So as you listen to Psalm 22, think of some of the words, some of the things, actions that happened to Christ. And then we'll be looking at John's Gospel in chapter 19 about the actual account of the death of Jesus Christ. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and were saved. In you they trusted, and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by men, and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers, in the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. You descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor, poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it.
then to St John's Gospel, to chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 28 through to verse 37. And here we have one of the accounts of Jesus' death. All the Gospel writers all focused on the death of Christ and his resurrection, but they all looked at it from different perspectives. And John gives the last moments of the life of Jesus Christ in his account here in chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. Later, knowing that all things was now accomplished, so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was a day of preparation. The next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bring a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells you the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. As the other scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. May God bless these readings from his holy and eternal word. We turn for a few moments to reflect on that passage from John's Gospel. As I said, today is the most important day for the Christian faith and the Christian life and the life of the church. Today we meet here in God's presence and God's house to focus on the central event this act of God's redeeming love and mercy for all people and for all time. Even Psalm 22 alluded to, alluded to all generations knowing about Christ's death. And the future generations as yet unborn will know about Christ's death. John here, from his perspective, is recording in these passages we've just read the last hours of the life of Jesus as he was dying on the cross. I suppose if you were to ask, what would you like most in life? What would you like? What would Christ have liked? Christ carried out God's will. That's what Christ liked to do. And so the cross is important and central to us. When we think about many things in life, we had all like in common, or different things in life, but the most important thing we need to remember that we should desire and want is to know in our own lives, an application of the finished work of Christ. Uh, writer Andy Mason says, we need so many things and it would be wonderful if we could have as much of them as possible. However, in the end and of themselves, all these aspects and desires insufficient for the future. The fact is that we need something more than these important and necessary factors. But of all these things, we need to know the message of the cross. Our deepest need is to know what Jesus has done for us as a crucified Saviour. This is absolutely crucial 
because otherwise we're left with a crossless Christianity or a Christ who isn't a saviour. A crossless Christianity is a terrible thing because it only brings us holiness without mercy and commands without God's grace. So you see the cross is central and important. So as I say this evening, in this passage, four themes to me come out as we find in this passage. Fulfilment, facts, finished and faith. First of all, fulfilment. The key word there is, as was throughout John's Gospel, uh, Jesus coming to fulfil. Later, knowing that all was now completed, so the scriptures would be fulfilled. Throughout all of Jesus' ministry, he fulfilled at least 300 Old Testament prophecies. From the moment when Mary was told and then Joseph was told about Jesus' birth, the Virgin Mary, Isaiah had said, the Virgin will be with child, will bring, give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So from the moment of Jesus' announcement of his birth, he was fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. When he was born to the Virgin Mary, he fulfilled that prophecy. And throughout his whole ministry, he was constantly, and the Gospel writers alluded, this was to fulfil what the Scripture said. So in the 24 hours towards the end of Jesus' life, his crucifixion, 20 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled from his trial right through his death. In these passages here, we find allusions, as I already said, to Psalm 22. For example, there, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece. That's the garment Jesus wore. Let's not tear it, the soldier said. Let, uh, let's decide who will get it by lot. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which said, divided garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Right down to Jesus' clothing. That's how accurate God was in prophesying about the events of Jesus' death. And that was from Psalm 22 verse 18 and verse 28 and 29 it talks about him thirsting I thirst a jar of wine vinegar was there so they soaked a sponge and put on a sponge on a sponge on a stalk of hyssop lifted to Jesus lips when he received a drink Jesus said it is finished that again was an illusion we found in Psalm 22 about uh, being thirsty but his tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth. He was parched, thirsty, like a pot shirt, it said. And in Psalm 69, it says, They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. We know he was crucified between two criminals. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered the transgressors. Isaiah 53, verse 12. When the soldiers came to... Uh, See if Jesus was dead, and to for hasten his death, they were to break his uh, legs as they'd done to the two criminals, and they found it wasn't so. Psalm 34 said, "He protects all his bones; not one of them will be broken." They put a spear in his side. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 speaks about his being pierced in his side. So you see, all these things were important. Even Jesus' burial, Joseph Arimathea, the rich man, assisted by Nicodemus, came and buried him in his grave. And that was alluded to in Isaiah 53. He was a, 
assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So you see, as you look at the Psalms, the Old Testament, and you see the life of Jesus, you see that he was very much the one prophesied to fulfill all these, and he fulfilled them fully, finally, and completely. As Isaiah says, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered to transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession with transgressors. What did Jesus do on the cross? The thief asked him, Lord, remember him when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, Today you are with me in paradise. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed for, for forgiveness for those who die, who put him to death on the cross. So you see, Jesus knew fully and completely. Yes, verse 28 had said, Later, knowing all things was now completed. Jesus knew now as he died on the cross, that final few moments of life, he was finally, fully and completely accomplishing God's purpose, God's design for the forgiveness of our sins. So fulfillment then finished. Jesus took the drink and it says, he said, it is finished. We know this cry was not a cry of defeat. People may think that. Jesus, no, was crying a cry of victory. For he had defeated the power of sin and evil, the devil. He now was a cry of relief that all this suffering was ended. He was now going to go return very shortly to his place of glory. He had prayed earlier in John's Gospel that he had brought glory to the Father on earth. Now he said, glorify me, Father, that I may give you the glory and return to my place of glory. So you see, Jesus did all that on the cross. One cross, three nails, four given. It's text language, isn't it? Forgiven. One cross, three nails, forgiven. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus on the one cross, the three nails, each of his hands, and his two feet put together and nail driven through them. By that simple death on the cross, a suffering death, a sacrificial death, he offers us forgiveness of our sins. You know, when you get a bill paid sometimes, the person writes on it, paid. Over the cross it says, debt paid in full. Debt paid in full. That's what Jesus did. He disarmed the powers, Paul says, triumphing over them, making a public spectacle of them by his death on the cross. He triumphed over them on the cross, and he triumphed over sin. It's power, it's penalty that can affect your life and my life. The separation that sin brought into our lives, Jesus got rid of it. So it wasn't a cry of anguish, a cry of victory, a cry of relief, a completion that Jesus had glorified his Father, and now he looked forward to his glorious resurrection and his ascension back to heaven again. God's justice, God's wrath, God's holiness were met at the cross, were dealt with at the cross. That's why the cross was necessary. And go so the cross dealt with it once for all. The writer of the Hebrews speaks about it. He says sacrifices would never fully make us right with God. The Old Testament sacrifices were only temporary. Jesus' death on the cross 
made something permanent. It's impossible, the writer of the Hebrews says, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all on the cross. So that's the great joy and that's the great delight we have in Christ's death. We couldn't do anything. God offered us a means of payment for the debt of our sin. He offered us a means of forgiveness of our sins by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Nothing else, as Top Lady put it in his hymn, Rock of Ages, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain flee, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Put very simply in poetic language there, but it says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Helpless look to thee for grace, Father, to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. That's what the cross puts, forgiveness to us, or we don't have it if we don't go to the cross. So Jesus Christ is very much clearly the man of sorrows, the man who came and died on the cross for us. There's an evangelist of the 19th century called Alec Wooten. He was approached one day by a flippant young man who said to him, what must I do to be saved? It's too late, Wooten replied. It's too late. What do you mean it's too late for me to be saved? Too late, Wooten replied. It's already been done. The only way you can do is believe. You see, Christ has done it all. We don't need to do anything else. Just as I said in those, these words here. Christ plus something is nothing. We think that we have to do something more than the cross. Christ is done from the cross. And it says nothing. We achieve no salvation. It's only Christ and Christ alone that gives us everything on the cross. As the hymn, Man of Sorrows, puts it very clearly to us. Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Mocked by insults, harsh and crude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Guilty, helpless, lost were we, blameless Lamb of God was he, sacrificed to set us free. He lifted up to die, it is finished was his cry, now in heaven exalted high. When he comes, a glorious king, all is ransomed home to bring. Then again the song will sing, Alleluia, what a saviour. The facts, the facts of the cross are that Jesus literally did die. You see, there was those who said Jesus only fainted on the cross. He faked his death. And then when he came into the tomb, he revived again the coolness of the tomb. But all the facts, and John presents them here so that we will believe. Yes, the women, the disciples, the crowds, the soldiers, everybody on that day knew Jesus was dead. Joseph and Nicodemus knew. After all, they took his body off the cross and they handled it so they'd known what a dead body was. The fact that Jesus died on the cross is given witness by John, who was at the cross. Remember, he stood at the foot of the cross. Mary was there. Jesus said, uh, here's your mother to John. And woman, here's your son. So Jesus, John was at the foot of the cross. And so he says that he wrote this. The man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. 
He knows what he tells is the truth. He testifies, so do you believe. John gave the gospel for a very clear purpose. So the future generations, at Jesus' time, the future generations unborn, now for you and I today, and for the generations who come after us, John wrote down by inspiration of God so we would believe those that were there saw it. We have only the evidence of Scripture, but the Scriptures tell us in order that we believe. Later John would say, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, believing me of life in his name. <clears throat> All the events, the thirsting, as I said, fulfilled it. His legs weren't broken because he was already dead. That protected him from that suffering. But if Jesus hadn't been dead, when the soldiers broke his legs, the whole weight that he'd been putting on his legs would have been gone. Because after all, his rib cage already was disjointed. He already was suffering. And so the support mechanism was gone from the legs by breaking them. But that didn't happen because Jesus already was dead. The spear in his side, yeah, fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. At death, the body fluid separate. If Jesus hadn't been dead, blood just alone would have flowed out. The fact that he was thirsty, they put that mixture of bitter drink on his lips. When he would have swallowed particles of that drink, it would have caused the throat muscles to contract. So there'd been further difficulty breathing. Suffocation would have been part of Jesus' death. So as I say, those are some of the things that happened that were actual facts, facts that Jesus actually did die and de- a cruel death on the cross. He suffered all those things. The pure agony of the cross was literal. He had gone through mental, physical, emotional and spiritual suffering on the cross, all for you and for me. But today we have the evidence in scriptures which call us finally to have faith. Faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us in the finished work of the cross. Perfect Lamb of God, sinless and pure and perfect, offering for us on the cross. Nothing needs to be added to it, simply what Christ has done for us on the cross. At the cross, we know there were those who responded to Christ. The thief, who was allowed by Christ and said, you will be with me in paradise. The centurion said, truly this was a son of God. Joseph, Arimathea, Nicodemus, religious leaders who had been secret disciples for all three years of Jesus' ministry, became open disciples. They denied themselves, took up as it were their cross and followed Jesus. They put their life in peril, in danger. The Roman authorities, the Jewish leaders, could easily have captured them, put them to death. So they show we are disciples of Jesus. They responded and recognised who Jesus was and what he'd done for them. And so it comes to us tonight, this Good Friday in 2021. What is our response to the cross of Christ? We sang it a few moments ago in our opening hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. We can easily sing the words and not let them penetrate. At the end it says, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life my soul, my all. So John wrote, he says, the man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows, 
He tells the truth so that you may believe. The cross demands and calls for us to make a response to finished work of Christ once for all on the cross. It's over to us as in our mind's eye as we stand at the foot of the cross as we reflect upon those scriptures in Psalm 22 and John 19. Jesus hands it over to us. How do we respond to his finished work for us on the cross? Let us pray. It is finished. O Saviour of the world, we praise you again for the victory of the cross, for your finished work. You have done for us what we never could do for ourselves, what we didn't deserve you to do. And you have done it once and for all time. Through your perfect and all-sufficient sacrifice, sin is conquered, death is destroyed, man is redeemed, and heaven is opened. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. O God, our Father, you loved the world so much that you sent your only Son to die, we might live through him. Father, forgive them, for they know what they are doing. For Jesus' willingness to forgive in the face of bitter hatred, Father, we thank you. Today you will be with me in paradise. For Jesus' promise of heaven to the forgiven sinner, Father, we thank you. Mother, behold your Son. For the example of Jesus' compassion to the last, Father, we thank you. I thirst for Jesus' sharing in our physical suffering and longing. Father, we thank you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For Jesus entering into our mental suffering and loneliness, Father, we thank you. It is finished. For the completion of Jesus' finished saving work on the cross, the covenant of love between God and his world, Father, we thank you and praise you. Into your hands I commit my spirit. For Jesus' triumph over death and the certainty of eternal life, Father, we thank you and praise your holy name. Father God, as you loved us, so by your grace, help us to love one another through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, when you died on the cross at Calvary, you brought life to us through your wounded hands, your wounded feet, your wounded side, your thorn-crowned head, your broken heart, by your blood freely given, we are made whole, set free to serve, and lifted on wings of love to praise you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, it seems so strange on a day like this to call it Good Friday. So many lies, so much hate, so much pain, and yet through it all you went on loving, loving the liars, loving the haters, loving the people who gave you pain. With love so strong, nothing could overcome it. Lord Jesus, in your name we give you thanks. Amen. And now the blessing. May you experience the peace of God in your trouble, hope when you are tempted to despair, joy through your pain, faith and courage when the heavens seem silent, and the sure knowledge the Lord has been through it all too. He understands, he cares, he loves you very much. May the blessing of God, our Saviour, the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this Good Friday, this Easter time, and always. Amen. And we sing our final hymn in church uh, this evening, the hymn 244, There is a green hill far away without a city wall. Thank you.